Good morning, good morning. I'm so glad you guys are here in person. I'm so glad to have you guys here watching with us online. As Judge said, my name is Shannon. I'm one of the pastors here at the SSV. All right, well, one of my uh, favorite local institutions is the local public library. Uh, Yes, we love the library. I have fond memories of growing up, going to the local library. I take my kids to the library. And obviously the pandemic has shifted how I use the library. But for our local library, what you can do is you can go online, you can choose all the books you want, and then you go through the drive-thru and they like hand you the books through the chute. I just love it. It makes things so easily. Although I do find, does anybody else get stressed out about when they can't find a missing library book? It's very stressful for me. But uh, uh, last month I ordered a book, uh, The Ruby Bridges Story, by Ruby Bridges as the author, telling the story of her life. And it's a children's book. Uh, but as with all good children's books, I always learn something new, especially the nonfiction children's books. Do you guys have a favorite children's book? In fact, if you're watching online, would you drop a comment? Tell us what your favorite children's book is. Well, I always learn something new, and I especially liked this story because I learned some new things about the Ruby Bridges story. In fact, one of the things that I learned about her story that surprised me was that she actually had a hard life. Like her kind of early teens and 20s and 30s, it was kind of a difficult life for Ruby Bridges. And I don't know why I was surprised by it necessarily. I guess I thought she just grew up and had these spectacular moments all throughout her life. You know, she was an icon. She is an icon. And for me, she was frozen in time in that Norman Rockwell painting. She's the face of this historic moment, and I had created this storyline for her, but her life wasn't easy. She struggled, and she goes on to write in the book, though, that in her later life, she hit a turning point. She had her own bounce-back moment where she decided to make some changes, to do some things differently, and she has kind of turned her life in a new direction. And in many ways, I hadn't realized that Ruby Bridges lived a more ordinary life. And I began, began considering moments in my own life and in like the lives of other people where I've sort of frozen things in time, like a Norman Rockwell painting. I started to think about moments where something happened, some defining moment that I thought would mean something more for me, maybe for my career or for my family, only for it to end up not as transformational as I thought it was going to be. Have you had moments like this? Moments that you were certain, like they were certain defining things in your life that were supposed to make a bigger impact, that were supposed to make a different impact. Something happened, actions, miracles occurred, and you thought you'd be changed only to look up a few years later and realize that you weren't necessarily as changed as you had hoped. In this series that we're in, The Great Bounce Back, we've been looking at moments where circumstances presented one thing, and then there was a shift. Maybe the situation is hopeless, and then something changes. Miracles occur. A prodigal son returns home. A little girl is raised from the dead. Samson rebounds after defeat. Jesus gets up from the grave. These are great bounce back moments. But I began to consider, how do we bounce back 
and stay bounced back? Like, what happened next with the prodigal son? Like, if we had looked at his life five years down the road, was he still honoring his father? Was he still on the path? Or what about the little girl who got up from the grave, from the dead? Did she go on to be an evangelist and did she tell her story and thousands and thousands of people were, you know, coming to know Jesus because she shared this story about when Jesus raised her from the dead? We know how Samson's story ended and we we know the story of Jesus. When, When he got up from the grave, it leads us to this moment where we're still talking about it. It was transformational for the entire world. But today I want to look at an interaction between Jesus and Peter, one of the disciples. It's a story of bounce back and staying bounced back. But before we get into the bounce back story of Peter, we need to kind of rewind a few days in the story. You see, Peter has a string of moments that help us start to see his personality a little bit. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, we read about this interaction between Jesus and his disciples. And we find this story in all four of the Gospels. You can find it in Mark 14, Luke 22, John 13, and Matthew 26. And in Matthew 26, Jesus tells them, he's talking to his disciples, and he says, Tonight, all of you will desert me. And Peter declares, Even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. And Jesus replies, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter insists, he says, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. Maybe I'm adding a little bit, but I can hear Peter saying it with so much emotion. And as I think about bounce backs, this is Peter declaring, I don't need to talk about bounce backs because I'm not going to need one. I'm going to stay on point. Famous last words from Peter. Matthew 26 continues at verse 69. Peter's sitting outside the courtyard where Jesus has been arrested. And a servant girl comes to him and she says, you are one of the ones with Jesus, right? And Peter denies it in front of everyone. He says, I don't know what you're talking about. Later, another servant girl comes up to Peter and she says, this is the man that was with Jesus of Nazareth. And Peter denies it this time with an oath. He says, I don't even know the man. A little later, some of the bystanders come over to Peter and say, you must be one of them. We can tell by your accent. And Peter swears. He says, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. Do you feel that heartache in Peter? That moment to imagine what he felt like. Maybe you have had your own moments where you just know. It like cuts you deep to the core. You know when you've done wrong. And do you feel how desperately Peter needs a moment with Jesus? He needs a bounce back. And that's the story I want to highlight today. I want to take a look at John 21 this morning. Now as we get to John 21, some great big things have happened in the previous chapters. At this point in John 21, Jesus has died on the cross, he's risen from the dead, he's appeared to Mary, he's appeared to the disciples, and he's also appeared to Thomas. And now what's interesting to note is that at the beginning of John 21, what we see is that the disciples on that particular moment are headed out to go fishing. Now, this was their previous employment, if you'll remember. This was the job they were doing before they had an encounter with Jesus. 
where he invites them to become fishes of men. You know, that moment where they leave their nets, they drop their nets, and they go follow Jesus. Well, now it appears they've picked back up their nets. I don't know, maybe it was old habits. They didn't know what else to do on that particular moment. But these guys are out in the fishing boat, and it's not going well. And then they have this guy from the beach call them. And so as we pick up John 21, beginning at verse 4 through 17. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Good old Peter. He needed this moment. Peter is in the low parts and depths of the pit. And Jesus knows Peter needs this moment to reinstate Peter. Three denials from Peter canceled out by three questions from Jesus. Jesus calls Simon Peter by name, Simon, son of John, do you love me? This intimate conversation, this calling by name, it draws Peter in. And I imagine this moment like uh, the fancy portrait setting on the iPhone, you know, where you can zero in on one person and everything else in the background gets blurry. It's Jesus and Peter with Jesus zeroing in and giving his direct attention to Peter. Peter, he says, have I got your attention? And then Jesus reminds Peter of purpose. Not to be out on the fishing boat, but instead to be feeding sheep. Jesus reminds Peter that he is changed. He says, you're not the same fisherman you were before. You've seen miracles. You've walked with me, Jesus, the now resurrected king. Jesus, in this moment, is reminding Peter of mission and calling. And for Peter, this moment on the shore with Jesus is transformational. It bounces him back. And Peter goes on to build the church. He feeds sheep. He stays on mission. And he lives out his calling. 
The rest of the Bible records Peter's life, and it's not a perfect life, but it's a life marked by the direction given in this moment with Jesus. Here's the thing about Peter's moments of doubt and fear and distraction and impulsivity and denial. This is the thing about Peter as he returns to his old habits is that many of us, you and me, we are so similar to Peter. We are quick to lose our way and forget our calling in hundreds of small and big ways. We lose our faith and our courage and our footing. We deny Jesus, not around the fire pit, outside on the courtyard, but when we fail to be the embodiment of who Jesus has called us to be. When we lie and cheat and steal, when we hurt others with our words, when we fail to stand up for what's right and just, when we consistently try to live on our own terms, when we consistently try to do things our own way without regard for others or for what God has called us to do. And so Peter is a really good example of who we often are. But the good news is that Jesus is still a really good example of who he is. Jesus does the same thing for us that he does for Peter. And the beauty of this moment is that Jesus, in his infinite capabilities, in his infinite possibilities and sovereignty, he is able to give us his undivided and complete attention in the same way. And here's the one thing that we can take away from this interaction between Peter and Jesus And the the Bible Project says a version of this, but we can be the best version of ourselves, people on purpose and on mission when we listen to Jesus and obey him. We can be the best versions of ourselves, people on purpose and on mission when we listen to Jesus and obey him. And this morning, I don't want you to miss this moment. This is how we stay bounced back. We listen to Jesus' voice and we obey him. And maybe you can picture yourself sitting in front of Jesus with the knowledge of denials or past decisions that have led you in the opposite direction from Jesus. Maybe you can resonate with what Peter is experiencing on this particular moment where Jesus says, do you love me? As he tenderly speaks directly to you and me, he says, Heather, I got your attention And I think if we give our attention to Jesus for long enough, I think we get the same reminder that Peter got on that morning. You are not the same person that you were before. You have seen miracles. You have walked with Jesus. The Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart. Jesus reminds me, he says, feed my sheep, Shannon. He says, Shannon, where you work, are you feeding my sheep? Your coworkers are watching you. They're watching to see how you deal with difficult people in difficult situations. Shannon, are you feeding my sheep as you, as you know that your coworkers are, are wondering if your life is really different because you follow this Jesus fellow? Are you kind and loving and demonstrating that this is the good life? Do you gossip? Are you cutting with your words? Feed my sheep, Shannon, those kids that I've given to you to raise, to teach them how to be courageous, and wise and kind to teach them how to find joy and peace in me? Are you feeding my sheep, Shannon? Are you playing and having fun with them and showing them the beauty of this life on earth? Feed my sheep, Shannon. 
Are you feeding my sheep in this church at the SSV? Are you using your gifts and talents to introduce people to Jesus? Is your life a demonstration of what you're calling people to do and be? Are you giving of your time and your money so that the SSV can continue to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this community? How about you, church family? When you sit in front of Jesus and he calls you by name, what calling is he reminding you of? In your family, in your job, in your community, in this community. You are here for a reason and you have a job to do. No one else has been assigned your job. And Peter, the same Peter who dropped his net, left it all behind to follow Jesus, he needed a reminder on this particular moment, a reminder to get back in the game. He had a job to do. Jesus said to Peter, build my church. Jesus called you. When you were called to walk this life with him, what did you lay down and what did you pick up? Take an inventory of your life. What are you currently holding on to? What mission are you currently on? What purposes are you currently pursuing? Is that the stuff that Jesus called you to? Some of us can remember ourselves dropping a whole lot of things to follow Jesus. We dropped some old habits. Maybe we stopped cussing so much. Maybe you changed the music you were listening to, changed the way you did some things, changed who we spent our time with, where we spent our money, We picked up some new habits, some new patterns. You started going to church on Sunday mornings. You joined a small group. Started tithing. Started serving at the food pantry. Started being kind to people. The excitement of new promises and new life, it was fresh and inviting. And then something happened. Maybe time, forgetfulness, Maybe you're just feeling fatigue. Things started happening. Maybe just the sadness of life got to you. Sad things happened. And now you find yourself like Peter back in the boat. Back to your pre-transformed self with a fishing net in your hand. Are you supposed to be in the fishing boat? What sheep are you called to shepherd? What job are you called to work? Feed my sheep. It's personal. It's intimate. It's a direct invitation from your creator. Feed my sheep with your name after it. Feed my sheep, Peter. Feed my sheep, Shannon. In fact, if you're watching online, I want you to chat that into the comment. Feed my sheep and put your name after it. And if you're here in person, I want you to text it to yourself. Feed my sheep with your name after it or write it down. Feed my sheep, Mandy. Feed my sheep, Ramon. Feed my sheep, Joe. And I believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to each of us as we are reminded of mission and calling. And this is an intimate conversation with your Savior. And sometimes when I say mission and calling, I start to think of like big picture ideas. Mission and calling, it is. It's big and it's grand. It's the question of like, what am I going to do with my life? It's a big question. 
It's big decision-making moments. But mission and calling is also small daily decisions too. Here at the SSV, we say that our mission is to love God and to love people. So deciding what you want to do with your life, saying that you want to devote your life to youth ministry, or saying that you want to start a nonprofit for Jesus, or saying that you want to move to the other side of the earth to serve Jesus, those are big decisions, and that's big mission and big calling, and that is wonderful and beautiful, and God has put that in our hearts. And at the same time, mission and calling to love God and to love people is also being kind to the person who checks out your groceries at the grocery store. Mission and calling is taking a meal to your sick neighbor. Mission and calling is tipping really, really well at the restaurant. It's being an employee who doesn't steal and cheat from your employer. Loving God and loving people is your mission in big, big dream, big grand ways, and also everyday simple ways. We stay bounced back and we stay on that mission when we regularly sit in front of Jesus, when we regularly get a chance to be reminded, feed my sheep. It's a conversation between a personal Savior who already knows your tendencies and impulsivity and denials. It's a Savior who knows your weaknesses and even your deepest, darkest sin. He knows your tendency to return to old habits. And at the same time, he still sits across from you and calls you into the potential that he's called you to be. And with that in mind, how do we stay bounced back? How do we stay on mission? How can we be like Peter and stay transformed? Well, I want to offer up two ideas this morning. One of the ways that we can stay bounced back is that we need to regularly connect with the presence of Jesus. And we have the gift of the Holy Spirit to do this. This presence of the Holy Spirit, it's accessible to all of us. Young and old, seasoned Christian and new Christian, uh, young, old, uh, even if you don't know Jesus, you have access to the Holy Spirit. And we all regularly need to practice it. We need to practice connecting with Jesus. And so this week, uh, I feel like one of the ways that we can practice this is through prayer Uh, And this is something that we regularly do here at the church. We pray on Sunday mornings because we believe in the power of prayer. We pray on Tuesday night, family prayer night. We pray in our small groups. We encourage people to have daily prayer time. We pray while we're in the car. We pray all of the time. And these are great opportunities to connect with Jesus. I want to encourage you today, we, uh, we, pray, we encourage both personal prayer, but we also encourage corporate prayer. That's why we pray for people after service. That's why we put a Zoom link in the service so that you can click on that link and get the personal prayer that you need. These are important moments to connect with Jesus. Uh, I want to offer up a tip, a speci- uh, specifically because this story is so powerful, is This week, I'd like to encourage you to use your imagination as you pray and connect with Jesus. And this story is a great example of how we can do this. Your homework this week is to read through John 21 on your own. And I want you to put yourself in the scene as you use your imagination to imagine what it would feel like to sit across from Jesus to sit on the shore with him. And I want you to use all of your senses. Maybe you can hear the waves crashing on the shore. 
Maybe there's a fire crackling as, you know, he's cooking the fish. But I want you to put yourself in the moment with Jesus. Using your imagination to sit across from him as he speaks to you. As he reminds you, feed my sheep. What does he have to say to you? We stay bounced back when we regularly make space to connect with Jesus through prayer, through imagining ourselves in the moment with Jesus. We can also stay bounced back when we participate in small groups. Small groups here at the SSV, it's one of the ways that we do pastoral care. It's one of the ways that we help people connect with Jesus. Small groups are transformational. It helps you stay in this regular rhythm and pattern of connecting with Jesus. And we believe in small groups because we've personally seen what they can do in people's lives. We've been changed. We know that we need small groups. And if you're looking to build deeper relationship with Jesus or you're looking to build deeper relationship with others, we encourage small groups. In fact, we have new small groups starting up next week. How timely, right? We'd love for you to be a part of small groups. And so this is your official invitation to be a part of a small group. This is an opportunity for you to get in community with people who will continue to help point you to Jesus, to continue to help connect you with Jesus. And so I would just say maybe you're on the fence about small groups. And so I would say in your prayer time this week as you connect with Jesus, why don't you ask him? (laughs) Jesus, do you think it would be a good idea for me to be in a small group? (laughs) And as as you listen to his voice, I'd love for you to report back and tell me what he says. We just want to encourage you. If you head to our website, you can see a tab that says small groups. We have small groups for all sorts of different times of the day, uh, different days of the week. And I would just say just try it one time. Join a small group just one night. You're not committed for the whole time. You can just try it. Test it out. It's how we regularly connect with Jesus. It's how we are reminded of mission and calling. It gives other people an opportunity to speak into our lives, to encourage us, to point us back to Jesus. We connect with Jesus. We connect with others. We stay on mission. Worship team, you can come on up as I close. I would say that I think today... Jesus is cooking breakfast for you on the beach. If you can imagine yourself like Peter and the other disciples out in the boat, how will you respond this morning? Will you join him so that you can have a moment with him? Some of you are here this morning and you may feel like Peter. Maybe you are in need of a bounce back. Maybe you've had a moment where you've, you know, denied Jesus in some way, or you've been off mission, off calling, and you know it, you know it in your spirit. And Jesus is inviting you to come join him, to spend some time so that he can get face to face with you. For others of you, you would probably say that you are, you know, pretty solid on mission. You're not necessarily in need of a bounce back, but you probably need to just connect with Jesus. This is how we stay bounced back. We get in front of Jesus, we listen to his voice, and we obey him.
Would you take the moment to jump out of the boat? Would you come to the shore so that you can meet with Jesus, so that you can respond with obedience and live out that mission to love God and to love people? We're going to take time to worship here in just a moment. And as we worship, I'm just going to just invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak to you. And maybe during worship, as you're listening from your home or you're here with us in person, maybe you just want to close your eyes as you picture Jesus across from you. Would you let him zero in on you? Would you give him your undivided and direct attention as he speaks to you? Maybe he'll speak to you through the worship song. Let me pray and we'll then join in worship. Holy Spirit, would you come? We invite your presence. We, we want to meet with you, Lord. We know that an encounter with you is transformational. Father God, would you remind some of us as we, as we sit before you, maybe we're holding on to some fishing nets, some old habits, some things that you've called us away from. Lord, would you just... Help us to drop the fishing net as we worship you. Would you help us to surrender our hearts to what you want to say as we worship you? Holy Spirit, come in your power and your presence. In Jesus' name.